Welcome to the Words Matter podcast, the Course Health series. Welcome to another episode of the Words Matter podcast. I'm Oliver Thompson. So on this episode of the Course Health series, I'm speaking with Dr. Kai Brynja-Hagen about his chapter 10 that he wrote for the Course Health book titled Lessons on Causality from Clinical Encounters with Severely Obese Patients. And Kai Brynja is a senior consultant in the Regional Centre for Morbid Obesity in the north of Norway. He's also a general practitioner district medical officer for communicable diseases and as you can imagine he has his hands full advising on the current pandemic. He's a specialist in community medicine and is interested in ecological thinking in medicine from the individual person to the policy level and he has an interest in primary causes of obesity development and factors that contribute to maintaining obesity such as trauma or other life stresses. So in this chapter we talk about the different roles that he's had within the Norwegian healthcare system and how these relate to his thinking around causation. We talk about his view of causation in relation to obesity and how the biomedical view and diagnosis of obesity is insufficient to fully understand the whole person and the causal process at play. And Kai Brynja contrasts the biomedical diagnosis of obesity which focuses on medical symptoms such as diabetes, or psychobehavioural aspects such as diet or motivation for exercise, with what he calls a genuine causal diagnosis for the severely obese patient. And he tells us about the challenges of adopting the whole person approach in larger structural and institutional settings in which he's worked. And finally, we talk about the main focus of his clinical encounters with severely obese patients, which is to understand their life story, including their life as a child, and the centrality that this dialogue plays in the creation of a story together with the person. So this was another resonating cause health conversation with a clinician at the front line of helping people with complex causal stories. Kai Brynja's compassion, warmth and sincere interest in obtaining a genuine understanding of his patient's causal stories really reverberated during our conversation. So I bring you Dr. Kai Brynja-Hagen. Kai Brynjard, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. So we're here to talk about your chapter 10 that you wrote for the Cause Health book, which is titled Lessons on Causality from Clinical Encounters with Severely Obese Patients. And I thought it was a wonderful chapter. It was different from the other chapters. It was less formal, I guess. It was a, had a really nice flow and a nice narrative threaded through it. But perhaps before we talk about that, You've had many different roles in the Norwegian healthcare system. Perhaps you could tell us a little bit about some of the roles that you've had and your current clinical roles. Yes, uh, I have uh, been working many years as a general practitioner, also in rural districts so of Norway. I've been in health administration uh, in different roles. And for the time being, I'm very much... Uh, uh, occupied with these uh, uh, communicable diseases, <laughs> the corona situation, uh, as I'm um, a district medical officer there. 
So um, uh, this chapter I've written after my background as a senior consultant at the Regional Center for Morbid Obesity in Northern Norway. And uh, apart from that, I'm also part-time working as an advising senior consultant in the Norwegian Labor and Welfare Administration. So my interests, uh, I'm interested in person-centered care, core causes of obesity, and a more ecological thinking from individual to health policy, actually. So you've got two pandemics on your hand, hands. It looks like obesity and corona. Yes, uh, and uh, both of them are hitting the most vulnerable people the most. Mm. And what's your out of interest? What's your what's your week looking like now? So how much time do you have in with face to face patients? Uh, I'm, I'm guessing it's changed. Is most of your work now administrative and managerial? Um, I've just uh, one day every Monday. I'm seeing uh, uh, obesity patients. Okay. And uh, apart from that, everything is corona, more or less. <laughs> and so maybe tell us. So as you said, the chapter is written really from your perspective as a as a GP that that interacts or helps obese patients. Uh, uh, it's not exactly like that. I, I had a background as a GP and, and uh, I was asked to see uh, obese patients uh, at a specialist level in hospital. Uh, so um, I, I thought uh, so maybe I don't have the right speciality for, for doing this. <laughs> it's something absolutely new. Uh, I'm a specialist in community medicine and and uh, to come into a clinical hospital setting was a little bit scary. But uh, I soon found out that uh, my background as a GP mm. was uh, quite perfect for seeing the whole person. Mm. And uh, we can maybe talk about your view of causation or maybe how you viewed obesity earlier on in your career, because you mentioned in the book that you were troubled by the disparity between the formal biomedical diagnoses that you learned and we learned so profoundly in the actual human problems that present into your clinic, into your office. So maybe say, if you can, a bit more about some of that apparent tension or some of those traditional ways that obesity was viewed and maybe perhaps how you viewed it earlier on in your career. Yeah, traditionally and in my early career, uh, obesity uh, uh, was diagnosed in a rather symptomatic way. It was just uh, a symptom and very much focused on uh, the comorbidity like diabetes and hypertension uh, and so on. Uh, but uh, to address obesity as such uh, was uh, many times as a moralistic uh, <laughs> uh, thing that I couldn't uh, comply with. So did you approach obesity initially as with that view that it was a collection of biomedical symptoms which which results in a person being in a certain state of health? No, I, I think I've always uh, uh, I've been thinking that a person is a whole person. I uh, I was used to that as a GP. Uh, I was I was never really on that track that I could see only the person as a, mm. as one diagnosis. 
And that's it. That was uh, quite impossible. Uh, and that's why my consultations always were uh, taking much more time than it, it should. <laughs> <laughs> so that's interesting. So even your, so your training in, in medicine set you up for a whole person approach, which, which that's not necessarily automatic. So there are many medical professionals out there which don't take a whole person approach. It's not assumed that medical education adopts that sort of approach, but it seems like for you that it set you up for a whole person approach from the start. Yes, uh, I was perhaps uh, a little bit of a rebel. I, I, I wanted to um, to find out all these things uh, for myself. I, I, I had a, some kind of a notion, some kind of idea what would be uh, the right thing. I, I, I simply couldn't escape that. I don't know why, but <laughs> that's the way it is. <laughs> so when you when you encountered when you encountered helping obese patients or people with obesity, did you your your colleagues and the infrastructure and the institutions that you worked within they had similar views or conceptions or stances towards obesity that you, or were you working against the system? Was there a difference between, so for example, you said you wanted lots of time or your consultation take a long time. That's not always possible in particular clinical settings. Uh, It's no secret that uh, hospital administration wasn't uh, particularly happy with with me taking so much time with each patient, up to two hours, everyone. Uh, and that's uh, really unusual at uh, at any place in in our health care system. So of course it it was controversial. And, and can you give us a sense of what a traditional biomedical treatment of obesity is? I mean, what would contrast it with your whole person approach? What would you know if you went into nine out of ten healthcare settings, hospital settings in Europe? As an obese person, what kind of treatment might you encounter? What kind of approach might you experience? Uh, first of all, the diagnosis would be a, a, a symptomatic one. Nobody would ask uh, specific uh, about uh, causality. It was an underlying notion that uh, obesity is because you're, you're lazy or and uh, don't have the right character and so on and so forth. So, 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 so that's easy. We're just uh, focusing on, on the symptoms, uh, which obesity is. And, um, and the treatment would be also symptomatic. And uh, uh, with uh, uh, sometimes perhaps a quite harsh uh, lifestyle interventions, uh, some of them are more or less like a military camp, uh, campus, and and then you, <laughs> of course, you lose weight, and then you come back to your home setting, and and the weight goes up again. Uh, I think the the symptomatic uh, treatment is perhaps uh, some of the reason why the, the treatment results are are, are so. So, so bad with obesity, and and if it doesn't work, your therapy, uh, then you you come to surgery. Then uh, then we push even harder. <laughs> but uh, that's the wrong way, I think. So, so as you say, even the biomedical view of obesity alluded to causation, but there were just single causes. 
you're lazy, they eat too much. And the, the interventions were pretty much just targeted at these single causes, if you like. But your whole person care approach obviously includes causation, but ha- how does it differ? So maybe tell us a bit more about your approach. I uh, had a theory that uh, we have to look into uh, life history of the patient to uh, to find perhaps uh, some uh, causal factors. Uh, and then, of course, uh, causation is always very complex. I have to think of, of the patient um, as an ecological system, uh, so which is uh, which is very complex. You can't uh, pick out uh, the one factor. Say this is uh, uh, the cause for everything. Uh, you have to enlighten in in some way uh, the history and what it means. And for that end, I I uh, emphasize uh, a very good dialogue with the patient so that uh, we can both um, uh, find some answers uh, that uh, neither of us could come to alone. Uh, that's my goal. <laughs> Uh, I mean that happens. It's it's so it's so beautiful to see patients saying, "Oh yeah, no, I see there is a connection between this happened and and uh, I was putting on weight." Of course, I I was very sad after that trauma, and I I was eating a lot just to comfort myself. I, uh, lots of such uh, stories about uh, how how patients in, in that way are empowered. And I put very much uh, weight on that, that that, um, that people should be empowered, not a paternalistic uh, approach that is uh, traditional medicine always had. And I was just going to ask about the dialogue that you talked about, and that's come through you know, really quite strong in, over the last nine conversations I've had with the authors of of each chapter of the Course Health book. And I just wonder, are we talking about just normal talking therapy or psychological therapy, or is this something different, that there's a, a focus on causes or trying to to arrive at causes mutually? I mean, I just, what's the, the I'm assuming they're overlapping some of these psychological therapies plus the sorts of diagnosis that you're talking about. <laughs> Uh, I think this is perhaps something uh, different. Uh, I'm I'm thinking that the general medical knowledge must be combined with the unique knowledge that every person brings with him or her. And um, uh, my goal is to uh, to establish such a dialogue that we both of us can come to new insights and uh, and that is <laughs> that's something which has been has very interesting has very exciting and uh, uh, certainly both of us perhaps uh, think okay here is some of the roots of this constant stress and unrest and and everything that uh, disturbs the patients so that this emotional pain has to be treated in in some way or another. 
some of my patients uh, uh, have been using drugs or or self-harming or uh, on the path to anorexia and uh, at last <laughs> obesity. That's only different uh, um, ways to try to to do something with its pain or stress, I think. And did you have any formal, I suppose, training in counselling or talking therapy or you just this, you just took your general practitioner training and going kind of around with it for two hours? No, I, um, I have uh, I've not been using guidelines. <laughs> I've had no training in, in a specific uh, method or something. I'm just relying uh, on uh, on the fact that uh, two persons uh, with an interest to uh, to build up a constructive dialogue always will will manage in in some way. Uh, let's take the chance that this uh, dialogue brings us something useful. <laughs> and that something useful is the arriving together at, at some causal factors, let's say, that in that is useful because I suppose, and I'm thinking out loud, that there are that just that awareness that being alive now to the fact that there are these factors which were hitherto unknown by the by the patient and yourself, that they can begin to mm-hmm. to take, as you said, some control or make some decisions for themselves about how they wish to or not address some of those factors. Yeah, I think that is in itself a kind of empowerment. Uh, you know your own history, you can understand your own history better, and that means that your current situation is uh, perhaps easier to understand, and uh, and uh, and then you also uh, perhaps know a little bit more w- w- what can be done uh, to take the roots to. Um, to have a co-cell therapy. And I was going to say, so what happens if, so through this this discussion, this dialogue, that together you arrive at a set of causal factors, let's say, for want of a better, um, this is a clumsy uh, presentation of dispositionalism, but so some of these things, the patient just being aware of them is helpful. And as you said, they're empowered and, and can make some choices about how they perhaps go about managing them but then you might refer them on to some specialist for example which has contrasting views to obesity to you so you send them off to let's say another medical professional or a dietitian or an exercise physiologist that takes an, a narrow approach and doesn't look at these range of factors so i just wonder if the system isn't built around whole person care you just delivering or adopting whole person care but then all of your referral network are monocausal biomedicalists. How does that work, or, or, or how do you how do you kind of address that potential challenge? In in the working group where I am now, we uh, have uh, adapted very much to each other in in that way, and and um, I also try to empower patients to uh, to be critical about what kind of healthcare they're really they're really getting. And uh, uh, and then there are uh, treatment centers uh, which are very good at this. Centers who offer 
uh, trauma therapy, for instance, uh, as very advanced trauma therapy. And I've seen uh, uh, many patients uh, uh, having a, a very good effect of that treatment. They're telling me that that no, there is not so much stress. Um, I'm feeling easier. It's easier for me to follow all these symptomatic treatment, these lifestyle interventions. It's now much more easy to do uh, because I don't have this uh, <laughs> the, uh, the stress. I'm also explaining for people how this uh, works for myself. If I'm on a night watch and, and it's very much stress, of course I eat the chocolate uh, to feel a little calmer, to uh, to have this stress go away for some minutes. Uh, but if I would have this stress all the time, I would eat ch- chocolate all the time. <laughs> and that's... So, uh, so the main thing is to to reduce this constant alarming function, this constant uh, stress or, or emotional pain, which uh, humans are not very well built for that. <laughs> you, you say in your chapter that for you, the main focus of the clinical encounter is the life story. And I wonder if you could tell us what the life story is or the importance of that story and any particular strategies that you might adopt to try and construct that that story with the person um as we um, speak uh, we will find some angle to go into the life story and that could be different from one person to another uh, some are starting to to uh, say something about school, how how it was at school, and so, and then we just developed that a little bit to see how was your how was your time at school? Uh, did you play with other at same age? Did you take part in physical activity? And and then we say, uh, was it safe at home? Uh, and uh, did you experience anything which was particularly fine or particularly bad for you? <laughs> and uh, and it just develops like that. I, I have no exact uh, way of, of doing this. <laughs> it, it, uh, we can uh, start at any point in, in, in life story where it seems natural for this particular patients. Because you say you often ask the, your patients, as a child, did you feel safe at home? And and is that something that is in the back of your mind you want to ask every patient? And if, if it is, I wonder where that that's a hypothesis, essentially, you're saying that yeah. you know, how, how someone felt at home, how safe they felt at home as a child is is potentially causally related to where they are now. Where has that knowledge come from? How do you know that that how someone feels as a child at home might be related to their obesity? Does that come from experience? Does it come from the literature? Uh, from both, I think. Uh, I have heard uh, very uh, many stories uh, about children 
not having a safe home. And for instance, uh, something, uh, some trauma happens when you're five and obesity starts at seven when you're at school and it just goes on and on. And um, I uh, really feel a great empathy with uh, with those who who had an unsafe home because that's so fundamental for for your development uh, as as a child. I think there's a lot of, of, of literature to 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 say something uh, about that. But uh, for me, it's. Uh, it's really been an underlying uh, understanding or, or notion. <laughs> that's my theory. That that uh, that's very important. And uh, I think this knowledge to hear these uh, stories about how broken some children are at the place where it should be safe. Uh, these uh, stories uh, tells me something about how uh, uh, preventive this medicine should be, should really say something uh, about that. Because children with uh, safe conditions at the upbringing are not uh, that disposed for, uh, for obesity, I think. And so this builds a, a causal story for that particular person. Sometimes it's uh, it's possible to uh, to see a, a timely connection uh, between uh, some negative life event and the onset of obesity. Uh, but in other instances, it's it's not that obvious, and. Um, uh, and then we're back on this complexity. Uh, and it's very exciting to, to go into that. And uh, I never uh, put any stress on the patient to, to uh, tell me everything. But, uh, but very many are happy to, to develop the story more and more. And it's uh, exciting to see. It's, uh, it's like uh, reading an uh, exciting novel <laughs> or painting a picture together yeah painting a picture together really that's uh, and uh, uh, when I see the results of that so people don't believe me really that uh, that this uh, can be done without a, a very structured uh, questionnaire or or something. I don't want any guideline for this. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm interested, do, do you teach? Do you do much teaching? Uh, I've held some lectures, yes, but but uh, but not on a regular okay. basis, no. I was curious, how, how, how are we sharing this, this approach or this skill, given that it's such an organic, natural development with patients? Well, I, I've tried to to outline that in the in the chapter I contributed with in the book as best I could, <laughs> but uh, of, of course there's uh, also this can be done by everyone. I think it's just uh, that uh, you must have the courage not to follow the textbook at any time. Then then everything <laughs> will be okay. <laughs> 
and so obviously two hours is is a pretty long time for for any healthcare consultation. But I just wonder, you know, thinking about the listeners to this episode who are perhaps don't have the possibility of having a two hour consultation, what would be some of the so you said everyone can do this in the short space of time, the the kind of reality that people practice in, what sorts of things could people do to begin this dialogue or to at least to in the spirit of of the whole person care approach that, that you're taking? Well, it might be a good idea to uh, to simply ask the patient to uh, to write their own story. Uh, some patients uh, are uh, are writing uh, twenty pages or something, uh, and then uh, uh, they bring that to the next consultation with them, and and they then say, "This was uh, exciting." Because when I write, I was thinking a lot of, of this. So, so there are other ways to do it as well if you don't have that mm-hmm. much time. And I just want to ask that you say um, that you sought to obtain a genuine causal diagnosis for your severely obese patients. And just the word genuine jumped out at me, what you meant genuine. What is genuine? Is it a diagnosis that leads to or that best captures, I mean, I'm answering the question before you've, I've given you a chance to ask, to answer it, but is it, 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 by genuine, do you mean a diagnosis which is sophisticated and is complete enough that it captures the, the complexity or the complex situation the patient's in? Yes, um, that is a diagnosis which is based on uh, a mutual understanding between a doctor and a patient that uh, uh, that here is uh, a core issue. Also, uh, uh, this is one of the uh, the main reasons how this onset of obesity, how the whole thing started. Uh, I think mm-hmm. that is the best definition <laughs> I can give of genuine. <laughs> it's not uh, easily picked out of any guideline. And I suppose what's genuine for one person is is not genuine for the next. So there'll be... Exactly. Uh, the uniqueness of every patient, that is also a very important thing. And maybe just finally, if there were some main take-home messages or things that you would really like readers to take away from your chapter, what sorts of things would they be? Well, that would be to uh, to not be focused uh, just on the symptomatic diagnosis and therapy. Uh, to see every person as a unique human being, and and to combine uh, the general medical knowledge with the knowledge that every person. Uh, brings with him or her in in the life story, uh, and it's very important to uh, uh, to support every person uh, every person's integrity and to focus on empowerment uh, to make this person able to um, uh, to take part in social activity, for instance, to uh, to meet other caregivers. Uh, and really be uh, uh, us not uh, exposed to, to paternalistic uh, 
uh, care. <laughs> and what I really like about your chapters is your description of your clinical encounter. And even though you you say there isn't a guideline or or a method, <laughs> when I was when I was reading it, I was thinking, oh, that's a good idea. I'll do that next time when I'm in in my clinic. Or that's you know, that's a really nice way to phrase things. You know, for example, you ask the patient whether they feel comfortable. It's one of the first things you ask, or did you sleep well last night? So, you know, for, for me, they're just I just think they're great approaches or strategies which people can begin to thread into their own their own way of working. Yeah, absolutely. I've I've tried uh, just to uh, to give a, a glimpse of this everyday life in the clinic. That uh, that's nothing uh, very mysterious about this. <laughs> Kai Birinya, thank you so much for sharing your chapter ten with me. It's been brilliant. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. If you enjoyed this podcast, visit www.wordsmatter-education.com for all the show notes, resources and blogs and check out the online course in language and communication in relation to back pain and I'll see you next time.